Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Matt Anthony, assistant coach with the Cape Breton Eagles. A teacher by trade, Matt has bridged his way through the waters of the minor hockey system en route to his current day coaching position. With a key grasp for development, Matt has a wide-ranging skill set, which we learn more about throughout the interview. With that, here is Matt Anthony, assistant coach with the Cape Breton Eagles. hockey fans we're definitely excited this time of year because the season's moving along and we're really pushing towards the playoffs but for fans of baseball grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back that's right teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week and last year's season sure was different but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement and this year is poised to be even better DraftKings the leader in one day fantasy sports is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. But hey, if baseball isn't for you, Don't worry because DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Matt Anthony, assistant coach with the Cape Breton Eagles. Matt, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we've uh, we talked a bit here the last few days and we were able to get you in fairly quickly. So I'm ecstatic to have you on and kind of talk about your experience in the QMJHL. Uh, we've had a few different guests come from that area and one coach actually spent some time in Cape Breton. So interested in hearing your experiences there as well. Uh, let's just start about learning a bit about you, maybe give some background on where you're from, playing sports in your early years and some different info like that. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a town called Shubenacadie, Nova Scotia. It's a small dairy farming community, um, the larger area of known as East Hance. Uh, so I played my minor hockey with uh, East Hance uh, all the way up through. Um, also was big into fast pitch, um, played that in the summers, uh, golf as well. Um, and I come from a big family. Uh, both my parents uh, were athletes and coaches. Um, I have three brothers, so there's four of us all you know, playing triple A hockey and stuff like that growing up. So a lot of competition, uh, in-house, um, my mother is a saint for sure. Um, but yeah, moved on to, uh, play midget in Cole Harbor. Um, and then 
onto various junior teams and a couple different leagues. But uh, yeah, coming from a small town, um, definitely had to kind of work for everything we got for sure. Yeah, I uh, I like when people talk about the small town feel and, um, you know, Newfoundland, St. John's is definitely a, a city and I wouldn't consider it a small town, but you still sometimes get that small town feel and always like as well when people talk about their families and, uh, you know, coming from a, a family of athletes and a little bit of competitive nature there, I definitely probably fueled you to take that next step and kind of push yourself to where you are today. Part of that too is I, I was the oldest or I am the oldest. So, um, you know, got to be a big brother, but also got to learn how to uh, set an example um, and things like that, both in sports and in school. Um, so that was something that I took a lot of pride in and I think has helped me as a, as a coach. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a very good thing to have in your coaching resume and that skill set to kind of lead by example and, and set the right tone early on. So for you, your first coaching experience was as an assistant coach at the major midget level with Newbridge. Just walk us through that initial experience and some of the things that you learned uh, maybe in that first coaching role. Yeah, I, I had spent a few years uh, coaching minor hockey before that um, at the PUE and Bantam AAA levels. And uh, my old coach, Steve Kroll, um, had just signed on to be the head coach of Dartmouth Major Midget. And uh, my brother was playing for the team uh, the year before. So I ran into Steve at the rink. And we were kind of talking and, and, uh, I said, listen, I've been into coaching and, and, uh, would, would like to make this next step into the, the midget level. And, um, things kind of rolled from there. We had a great relationship as a player coach when I played for him. Uh, he was awesome in my development as a coach, um, gave me more and more of a leash as I kind of proved myself, you know, running practices, uh, being responsible for the defense, uh, you know, special teams, that kind of thing. I uh, can't thank Steve enough for giving me that original opportunity. Yeah, it's it's always great when you have someone that's willing to give you uh, a little bit of a longer leash and initial opportunity to kind of grow into a role. And I feel like when you have that maybe room to try new things and experience different things, you know, without having that added pressure that someone's kind of watching over your shoulder all the time, it definitely pays dividends in that early experience and then moving forward. The next coaching role I want to talk about is your time with Cole Harbor. Again, walk us through the experience of assistant coach there and maybe how it differed uh, from your previous experience now having a little bit of a background. Yeah, so I ended up uh, going to Cole Harbor um, mostly because it was where I played. I had some roots there and also uh, one of my good friends from home, uh, Danny McKinnon, took over as a head coach there. Uh, he was John Greenwood's assistant. John left to take the job with the Mooseheads. Uh, so I ended up going over there with Danny and um, very similar in terms of, uh, you know, the type of guy. Uh, Danny and Steve are very similar in that regard. Um, had a had a big role there as well. Um, and, you know, we, we, we worked well together. It wasn't a one man show, you know, and, and I tried to take that with me when I got to you know, become a head coach and uh, learned a lot from from Danny there as well. And another guy we had coaching with us, Neil Poskoski, uh, the wee man, as he is infamously known. Um, he he was a guy that we, we all knew each other. We were all buddies. And, and uh, that was probably, looking back, one of the most fun years of my life coaching. Yeah, the, the camaraderie amongst the coaching staff and, you know, even the players, especially at the older ages, it's uh, 
something fun to be a part of and it just generates an even better experience for you to learn in and try new things and, and make new connections. The next role we'll move into is with Newbridge at the prep level and eventually you were moved into an associate coach role. Um, talk about how you kind of made your way to that program and some of the takeaways from that experience. Yeah, so kind of a, a longer story here. Um, when I was coaching in Dartmouth with Steve, uh, the owner of Newbridge Academy had actually you know, bought the franchise and we were known as the Newbridge Academy Gladiators. Um, so the school hadn't had teams yet, but I was doing my, my, B, my Bachelor of Education and uh, ran into the owner at a Christmas party and um, he said, listen, I have a school, you know, you want to teach? come on over. So actually that year I was coaching in Cole Harbor, I was teaching at Newbridge, uh, full time. And, uh, over that next summer, uh, a guy by the name of Patty Flynn, um, who was the director of the program, the hockey program at Newbridge at the time, um, w- wanted to start a, a men's hockey program, uh, with teams that traveled to play. And, uh, he approached me, uh, at school one day, we talked about it and, um, you know, I said, yeah, sure. Let's, let's build this thing kind of from the ground up. And, um, you know, at the time we were out of trailers and, and working out of a school and, um, or sorry, a rink, uh, with our school inside of it. Uh, so, uh, jumped on with, with Newbridge in a full-time role or an expanded full-time role, uh, was a head coach of the U16 team and uh, associate coach of the U18 team. And that year, um, you know, because the program was growing and Patty was working to grow that, um, you know, on the recruiting trail and getting certified by Hockey Canada and all that, um, you know, I I was primarily responsible for running practices for two teams on a daily basis, uh, along with skill development for kids, uh, outside of our teams, along with another awesome guy, Kiefer house. Um, so we started very small, uh, but for me, the added workload actually benefited me in the long run. So, you know, I was teaching three classes a semester, running two practices a day. And, um, I can't thank those guys enough for giving me an opportunity. And eventually we grew the program, uh, into, you know, one of the top prep destinations, uh, by the time, things ended it was an unfortunate ending but uh we ended up you know having guys like brandon benedict come in olivier fillion um ryan hillier my brother cody anthony um nick croft uh on the women's side we had fiona smith bell who's involved with hockey canada um Kiefer, like i said so kirk tomlinson another guy so it was a who's who of hockey in nova scotia that we had involved in newbridge over the years and um along with jason wolf uh on the education side, we really grew that into a top tier program and we had a lot of great players uh, come through there that I'm very proud of. Yeah. And when you put so much effort in and like you said, kind of being busy all the time and not really thinking as much, just kind of reacting and getting in with the players, um, you know, it's, it's a great reward to see it grow to the level it has. And definitely people hear the name Newbridge Academy and they kind of understand what's going on and the type of player that goes to that program. Uh, you know, moving forward, before you ended your tenure there, you were also the head coach in a more prominent with the U18 uh, team. Now having kind of the experience of, uh, you know, running a few different teams and now being the main head coach, uh, how did you approach that position? And uh, did it kind of change the way that you 
worked with the team now in a more prominent head coach role? Yeah, I think it started with more prominent in recruiting during the summers leading up to it. Uh, once I became the head coach and, and uh, of, of the U18 program, we always worked together with the recruiting, you know, myself and Patty and Olivier. Um, but, you know, now it was my team and I had the final say on kind of who I wanted to bring in. So that right from there, you know, you're going around and, and meeting these kids and their families and really knowing what type of person you want to have playing for you. Um, and then, yeah, for sure. I took kind of everything I'd learned over the years, uh, from the different guys I had mentioned and kind of put it all, I, I put together a package was the first thing I did was kind of write down or type up all of my ideas, all of my, whether it's systems, skills, uh, ideologies, um, anything like that, and kind of put it all together. Um, and I've kind of built off, built onto that as the years have gone by, but that was the first thing I did. And, uh, yeah, moving into a bigger role like that. Now you're the guy that the scouts at the next level are talking to, um, you know, the, the recruiters from the, at that time, either major junior teams or tier two teams or NCAA schools, um, you know, and that was a major benefit for me in the long run, starting to build relationships outside of, you know, our area and down into the States and across Canada. And um, actually that's the first episode I listened to with, with the hockey minds is my buddy, TJ Ministerski. Um, and, you know, building relationships with guys like that, who I never would have, you know, had the chance to meet before um, certainly helped out in the long run. Yeah. The ability to create relationships in the game really goes a long way. And um, sometimes it is a benefit of yourself, but a lot of times it's a benefit of your players as well, trying to push them to that next level. Uh, you kind of touched on how scouts a lot of times will be the people that you connect with as they're probably looking at your program for their own teams. You also had a stint as a scout, spending five years with the Yarmouth Mariners. Talk about how you kind of moved into that role and um, just talk about the experience of a scout at that level. Yeah, so Lori Barron, who's the head coach and GM in Yarmouth and has been for a long time, um, we go way back. Uh, he was actually neighbors with my mother when they were little kids growing up. So uh, there was kind of a, you know, immediate connection there. And uh, he reached out to me and asked if I wanted to, because anybody who knows me knows I'm a rink rat. Uh, spend every second of, of every day that I can. A little less now uh, because I'm kind of in Cape Breton and there's only one team to watch. But, you know, when I was living in Halifax, going to every midget game, even when I wasn't coaching, um, and, you know, talked to LB and he asked me if, if I'd come, you know, be his head scout. And, uh, that was a really cool experience, uh, because I got to, uh, you know, work, work with a team of other scouts and with Lori and the coaching staff, but also just to, you know, have that, uh, uh, feeling of running a draft table and, and selecting kids and kind of making their day or month or whatever it may be. And, uh, we, we've had some, you know, we had some great success there. We, we won a league championship. We finished runner up in another. And, um, you know, obviously I had to give up that gig when I got the job with Cape Breton, but still very much in touch regularly with, with Lori and, and with a lot of guys in Yarmouth. So, um, yeah, very, very enjoyable on the scouting side for me. I think, uh, you know, obviously I want this coaching thing to continue to work out, but I, I also have an interest in scouting that I think if, uh, you know, if I'm ever out of a job coaching, uh, knock on wood, I, I, I think I'd like to get into scouting as well. Yeah, scouting really is a, a component of the game that 
I think everybody at some point or another gets thrown into a position. Uh, you know, it could be minor hockey or a program or junior C or all the way up to, you know, pro hockey. And uh, once you kind of get into it and get that itch, it really is something that plays in the back of your mind in whatever role you do. And um, I think scouting, just being able to evaluate the play really does help in a position, maybe a coaching position or, um, you know, analytics like I do. It all uh, kind of plays into the same pot. Yeah, it, it, you're bang on, exactly. And the other benefit for me was because I was always recruiting in the summers as well, it wasn't just during the, the winter that I was able to get some scouting time in. So, you know, I'd, I'd see guys in Boston that, you know, the Maritime Hockey League teams don't have the budgets and resources to send guys to Boston to scope. But I just happened to be there, you know, recruiting for Newbridge or down there for a tournament and, and being able to see guys in different corners of the hockey world that, some other guys didn't. So, you know, we could sneak in some late round picks uh, kind of out of nowhere and, and turned into, you know, quality, quality pieces to a championship team. Yeah. And you just can keep compiling these picks and players and uh, you see success at your level. And as many people know in the game, when you see success over a long period of time or a couple seasons, um, you know, opportunities come knocking at the next level. And for you, that opportunity came with the Cape Breton Eagles. Uh, walk us through the process of then moving on to the QMJHL and uh, maybe just how you've enjoyed the experience thus far. Yeah, it all, it all came back to uh, a phone call from Steve Kroll again. Um, I was actually in Yarmouth uh, working a hockey school with the Mariners with, with Lori and uh, we were on his back deck barbecuing and, and having a beer in the afternoon after we got back from the rink and uh, got a call from Steve and he said, would you be interested in, in a, you know, coaching job in Cape Breton? I said, well, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, he, he coached Jake, uh, Jake Grimes, who's our head coach, uh, in midget as well with Dartmouth. Uh, and they obviously have a good relationship and Steve's one of his mentors as well. Um, so I said, yeah, absolutely. So he said, okay, I'll give, I, you know, I'm not making any promises, but I'll give Jake your number and, you know, get him to call you. And 10 minutes later, I was on the phone with Jake, um, and we talked for probably an hour, hour and a half, that first, that first phone call about everything, um, hockey life, philosophies, everything. And, uh, so, you know, I got my resume up to date. I sent it into management, um, had a couple different interviews with, you know, Jacques Carrier, our GM, John Hanna, the assistant GM, uh, Gerard Shaw, who's our president. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was probably about a three week process overall, uh, different interviews. Um, and, uh, yeah, about the end of July, I think it was like July 25th, 26th. Uh, I got a call from, from JC, from Jock, uh, offering me the job and, uh, I was ecstatic. I was over the, over the moon, definitely a, a dream job of mine. Um, you know, I was, I was actually playing in a ball tournament in guys, bro at the time and I had to they had to sub me out of the game I had to run behind the dugout to take the call and uh but yeah it was a moment of elation for me and um it was a quick turnaround I had to move my stuff up here uh, training camp started the 10th I think I had to be here the 5th so I was gone uh, moved all my stuff up kind of a nomad for a month I didn't have a place to live so luckily one of my one of our scouts from Yarmouth lives in Glace Bay up here so I got to stay in his you know in his house for a couple of weeks while I was trying to find a place. Uh, but 
ever since I got here, it's been, it's been surreal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always interesting to hear kind of the process of making that jump and, um, you know, at a softball tournament right in the middle of a game is kind of fitting for getting that, that call. I know, uh, Wes talked about, uh, Wes Wolf talked about how he was up at the cabin with some buddies mid game, um, same kind of thing. And I think when I was with Sarnia, my introduction kind of came, I was in a Tim Hortons drive through I think when I got the call. So, um, you know, you, you're never really prepared for that moment, but it's, uh, it's always exciting to get that call and to jump in. You know, working as an assistant coach in Cape Breton, as many people know, it's a, a smaller market team, so a smaller budget team. Um, what does your assistant coach role entail? And has the role been what you envisioned maybe before you uh, joined the team? Yeah, I mean, I was I was ready and expecting kind of anything. Um, that's always kind of been my mindset. You know, I'm uh, prepared for whatever uh, life will throw at me, um, make adjustments on the fly. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's been exactly what I envisioned. Uh, you know, I work with the defense uh, on the bench during games. I do uh, the pre-scouting, do a lot of the post-game video. Um, Collie and myself, the other assistant, we look into the analytics side of things. Uh, luckily for us, uh, we have a great video goalie coach, uh, Chucky Grant, who, you know, takes care of the scheduling and the meals and the hotels and things like that on the road. So fortunately I am not responsible for that. Uh, I would probably mess that up. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, you know, obviously the, on the ice, uh, skill development practices, whatever we need to do. Um, and especially being in Cape Breton, we don't get a lot, uh, we, we get a lot of practice time, but compared to some other, you know, more centrally located teams, we don't get as many practices. So we're trying to find that balance of skill development versus systems versus, you know, having fun, um, is, is part of our job every day. Um, and, uh, also on the school side, um, being a teacher, having that background, uh, I work closely with our educational, uh, director, uh, Ryan McPherson, um, you know, making sure the guys are keeping up in school, communicating with him when we're on the road, helping some guys out when we're on the road, on the bus, things like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting about the assistant coach role. And uh, to be honest with you, the number of assistant coaches that we've had on the podcast and kind of asked some variation of that question to, uh, there never is a, a concrete answer to kind of the role. It's like on this team, it, it has tasks A, B, and C. And then on the other team, it's a completely different set of tasks. But whatever they um, want me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the mindset, almost like the player mindset, whatever the coach says is kind of what you're going to do on that day. And, you know, looking at the assistant coach role a little bit closer, you obviously had some video and scouting background um, and some multiple skills, education background as well, kind of played into your role. How important do you think it is for people looking to make that jump into coaching to make sure that they have these multiple skills and, and different things in their background instead of just going in with a, a mindset of playing one specific role. Yeah, I think that is massive because just like the, you know, uh, players in the game have evolved, you know, coaching and, and the roles coaches had to play have evolved and they always will. And uh, if you're not, you know, always trying to make yourself better and come in with an open mind and come in with uh, the ability to think on the fly and think critically and, um, you know, what worked for you the year before might not work for you, um, you know, the following year. So, um, yeah, anybody that's trying to get into coaching, I think the big thing is to uh, don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, certainly have, you know, busted out some new drills or, or tried some new 
icebreakers or, or, you know, team builders that haven't worked out as well as I would have hoped. Um, but on the other hand too, so many things that you try out that become part of the norm and part of the, you know, uh, the identity of the team. So I think that's a massive thing, having an open mind and not be afraid to, to fail. Yeah. And that open mindset, um, a lot of times plays into a decision to ultimately try going with a new team. You know, a lot of people will think about just certain programs that I'll work for, but then maybe a program out of the blue comes to you and you're maybe caught in a decision that you're not sure if you can go for it. And um, I know you're someone who lives out East as well, but Cape Breton, again, a new place, a new situation and that you kind of jumped into uh, maybe give people a little bit of information on just what's like living in Cape Breton and uh, maybe the support that you've seen, albeit in a, a tough COVID season, as we all know. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. When I was a kid, um, did not like driving to Cape Breton. You know, it's a, you know, four, four and a bit hour drive uh, coming from my hometown. Uh, I used to have to come up here quite a bit for ball tournaments and hockey tournaments. And uh, obviously the scenery is beautiful, but I just didn't like driving that far. But from the second I moved here, uh, fell in love with the place, uh, the people, the culture. Um, it's it's really an amazing place to live and, and an amazing place to, to be part of a hockey team. And they have a very special place in their hearts for the Eagles. Um, Obviously, this year has been a little different with COVID, but last year, um, which was our first year as a staff, uh, we uh, we were poised to make a pretty good run for the the league title. You know, we were one of uh, four or five teams that kind of stacked up at the deadline, and and we had a team that we felt was was built to win it all. Um, you know, we had the top goalie in the league. We had five nineteen year old defensemen who were high end players. Um, we had three lines that could score that could shut down. We had a fourth line that played physical and, and uh, we weren't afraid of to put them out on the ice against anybody. So, you know, we kind of had the team built um, to win seven game series and uh, you could really feel the community getting behind that team and the excitement. I know, you know, right from the, right from the first game, our home opener last year, we were down five, nothing halfway through to St. John and we came back and won six, five in overtime and the, building was electric and it kind of just built off that throughout the year. And uh, one of our last home games before COVID shut us down, um, we were playing Ramuski and obviously they were one of the top teams as well. And with Lafreniere coming into town and um, Colton Ellis, who's a Cape Breton boy who's killed us this year, but he was in Ramuski last year. Um, so we had a we, the rink was sold out. It was packed. It was loud. Uh, we ended up winning the game. It was a, you know, electric playoff type atmosphere. And um, I really feel, I feel badly for the players. I feel badly for, you know, the, our owner, uh, every, everybody in our front office, obviously us as a coaching staff, but I really feel for the fans um, that they got, that they didn't get to experience a, a deep playoff run with the team we had because our star players were also very ingrained in the community. You know, Igor Sokolov, who you've probably seen on social media and in, in Belleville now and, his story of, you know, getting passed over two years in a row and then, you know, get winning a silver medal to world juniors and becoming a second round pick um, and then delivering groceries to, to people throughout the pandemic. But even before that, you know, he's a star. Uh, Kevin Mandelise, our, our goalie was, you know, spent a, a lot of his extra time in the children's ward at the hospital. So, you know, we had a tight bond uh, with the community. Um, and it's unfortunate that COVID has kind of, taken some of that away this year uh hopefully 
next season is, you know, somewhat back to normal and we're able to get back out in the community and, and do some events. Yeah, you definitely want to get out there as much as you can. And it really is the the grassroots of the junior hockey game. And the it's always great to hear about the fan support and just how electric it can be, especially when you're playing big name players and big name teams, as you mentioned. Um, you know, it's something that we see right across the board in the CHL and, and in the United States and even in Europe. And, um, you know, looking at some different places in the QMJHL, you know, again, quite a bit of travel that you endure to go to these different places and play these different teams. Being on the bus so often, a lot of times in minor hockey teams, a lot of times we'll see this as well is you find that you're almost losing time just because you are spending so much time traveling and a lot of work can be done on the bus if you put your mind to it. So what are maybe some tips or suggestions that you have for ways to utilize that time, even uh, maybe at the QMJHL level? If there's anybody that spent more time on a bus over the past seven or eight years than me, I, I'd like to meet them because, you know, we obviously have the worst, uh, you know, the, the most difficult travel schedule in, I believe, the CHL, uh, definitely in the queue. Um, and it's actually a better travel schedule than I had before at Newbridge. So, you know, we were driving to Boston, New York, Toronto, Ottawa all the time. So I've spent an awful lot of time on the bus. Um, fortunately for me, that's where I get a lot of my work done. Um, you know, you talk about not letting the time pass, uh, always, you know, on, on my laptop, whether it's clipping our games or, you know, watching other teams or, uh, potential prospects, whatever it is, uh, always trying to work, um, read. I know a lot of people can't read while driving, but I have formed a pretty good ability to do that. So do a lot of reading on the bus, um, listen to a lot of podcasts on the bus, uh, informative podcasts. You know, this one, uh, listen to uh, the Hockey Think Tank quite a bit uh, with Topher Scott and Jeff Lavecchio. I think they do a fantastic job. Um, so, yeah, those are some ways. I mean, for us, uh, guys do schoolwork on the bus as well. Um, so lots of ways to, to pass the time. I mean, we obviously have to manage it. Um, so with our athletic therapist, you know, he's got the, got the boys on a proper rollout schedule. We schedule yoga in quite regularly as well to help combat how much time we do spend on the bus. So a lot of things go into it, but uh, try not to waste any time. Yeah, you definitely don't want to, to waste that time. But no, I think that's a, a great um, way to kind of utilize in a lot of, uh, you know, video work, different things, and obviously education being a big factor for the players as well. Um, you know, a lot of times at the end of the day, that work is to kind of help the players make that next step in their career and further their game. But as a coach, you definitely have goals yourself and you're definitely, as you mentioned before, taking it one day at a time and, and kind of getting involved with Cape Breton as much as you can, but maybe looking five, 10 years down the road, where do you hope to be in the game and uh, possibly what do you envision yourself doing? Yeah. I, first of all, I hope to still be in the game in five years. I first and foremost, um, whatever level that's at, but yeah, I think um, I am a guy who sets, you know, short-term, long-term goals for myself. Uh, would I like to get a shot at being a head coach one day? For sure. Um, can I say that's going to be in five years? I don't know. Um, so uh, it, it's all about opportunity and, and uh, timing and uh, always being prepared for that opportunity. But for me, definitely um, the end game is to work in the NHL uh, at the end of the day. Um, get more involved with hockey Nova Scotia, hockey Canada, that kind of thing as well. Uh, went through the U 17 interview process last year. Um, so yeah, w 
working on a lot of different things in five years, but hopefully still be in the game. And uh, eventually I'd like to, you know, take that next step to become a head coach at, at the major junior level. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great, um, you know, goal to have and, and realistic in the way that essentially it kind of comes down to the day-to-day grind and you really don't know where you're going to be. One way that you can really work on making that next step is creating connections, as we've talked about throughout the interview. And the people at My Hockey Resource feel that's a great way, and they've set up a platform to do just that. They're a community on Discord. They have video coaches, head coaches, scouts. Um, you know, I've been able to meet a number of people through that platform. So for anybody looking to make connections and kind of grow your mindset in that direction, be sure to check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram. Matt, for you, you have an education background and likely utilize a lot of different platforms for your learning. What are some books, articles, maybe other podcasts um, outside the ones that you mentioned that you look to for reference or new ideas? Yeah, I've I've always been a reader um, from the time I was a little kid. It's, uh, I actually just finished Brian Burke's book. thought it was pretty cool. Um, John, anything by John Wooden is something that I would highly recommend to coaches of any sport even players i mean if you don't know who john wooden is you should google him right now and um check out a few of his books uh dive into a lot of leadership type books articles as much as i can um communication as well leadership communication anything up that alley i'll try it out um and yeah you know attending and, and participating in as many webinars and you know seminars and I mean, you can't get anywhere right now, but, you know, even like uh, I went to the Snap Coaches Conference in like 2016, and uh, that's where I met, you know, guys like TJ and um, Mike Coach and a lot of guys that became, you know, good connections and and, and friends in the hockey world. So um, throughout the quarantine last, <clears throat> last spring, we were fortunate enough, the CHL coaches, to have access to the NHL. Uh, coach association webinars um so different guys were going on different times giving presentations about whatever whether it's pre-scotes penalty kills uh nutrition whatever it was so um those type of things are are awesome you can take as much from those as as any book um like i said podcasts what twitter i mean you the coaches conference any anything i can get my hands on you try to digest it and use what what you want and uh you know save some stuff whether it doesn't apply to you that at that specific time so um as a guy who who you know did history and english in university uh researching was pretty high on my priority list back then so i've always had the knack to try to find some stuff in some some tucked away places yeah, becoming resourceful. And it really, again, kind of ties back into the assistant coach role. You just have to be ready for every task and every assignment. And uh, it really goes to show the way that you kind of approach everything, just learning as much as you can and being ready and even putting it away, as you mentioned, for a future opportunity that might come down the road. Throughout the process of your career and, and the different experiences, a lot of times it came down to people giving you a chance or or kind of guiding you in the right direction. A lot of times we consider these people mentors and a lot of people in the podcast have said it's been a huge part in their own careers. So for you personally, who are some of those mentors once again, and what are some of the major lessons that they taught you throughout your career? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, my parents, uh, and grandparents, uh, were my biggest mentors. Uh, you know, my dad played, played the game, coached the game. Uh, so 
you know, he always taught me from a young age, uh, his famous line was it all comes out in the wash. Uh, so, you know, things might not have gone your way, but if, you know, you're, you're a good person, you work hard, eventually you're going to get rewarded for it. And that's, you know, words that I live by every day. Um, you know, my mom as well, she's, uh, she's more of the, the firecracker and, and, uh, you know, the go getter. Uh, so, you know, my ability to put myself out there and talk in front of large groups and, and, uh, you know, be confident speaking to people definitely comes from her, um, on the hockey side. Uh, one guy I haven't mentioned, uh, is Jeff Frazier. Um, you know, he, he's not a, you know, big time guy in the hockey world, uh, you know, in the queue or anything like that. He's, he, uh, he coached me in Pee Wee AAA. Um, and, uh, he was a guy that gave me my first start. Uh, he was coaching the band of AAA team in East Hans and got me on as assistant coach. So him and Jason Cannon, who, who was a guy that played, played a lot of pro hockey and, and played at St. Mary's and, um, is, a, is still involved in minor hockey. So those were two guys that taught me a lot right off the hop. Uh, and then, you know, Steve Kroll, uh, Lori Barron, Danny McKinnon, all guys that I've, you know, worked under. Uh, and now, you know, you got a guy like Jake who, um, you know, I, I've only known for, you know, two years now, but, uh, a guy that I learned something new from every day that's, you know, been in the CHL for 20 years, uh, you know, played pro hockey, you know, would have been an NHL player if, uh, he hadn't, you know, sustained some, some back injuries and things like that. So, he's a guy that I lean on a lot daily. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that I've crossed paths with, uh, over the years that have even, even guys that I played with, um, you know, that we that are coaching in various leagues or whatever, or some of them are still playing, you know, it's call them up and, and see, uh, what, what things are like for them and, and what, you know, if, if it's a guy that's still playing, how his coach is running things and, and things like that. So always trying to pick the brains of not just older guys and guys that I've, you know, looked up to, but also guys that I'm friends with and grew up playing with. Yeah. I think it, it just kind of goes to show once again, that there's people everywhere in the game and you really don't know where you're going to learn. And uh, it's only over time as you make new connections and, and, you know, bring up old friends, old people that you play with and, even your parents, you know, there's always opportunities to learn and apply something to the game of hockey, which I think once again, just makes it great. As a final question on the podcast that I asked everybody, if you could go back in time to yourself looking to get into coaching or someone maybe in a similar situation, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Jump in, you know, like don't, uh, I kind of alluded to it before. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, don't be afraid to give your opinions. Um, you know, sometimes, and, and I was guilty of this when I first, you know, got to Dartmouth and a little hesitant to say, well, I don't think so, Steve, I think it should be this way. Um, but pretty quickly, you know, he assured me that the more ideas we had, the, the better that was. And uh, that's something I tried to do with, with my assistant coaches, um, when I was a head coach, you know, it's not just a, a yes man and do whatever the coach says. Sometimes you got to challenge each other. And, um, so just have the confidence in yourself and, and what you're seeing out there, what, you know, you're feeling needs to be done in practice or on the power play or the whatever it is. Um, don't be scared to speak up and, and, uh, you know, you don't want to start, 
throwing fists with, with your head coach, but, um, you know, don't, don't be scared to give your opinion because, um, some of the best discussions start with that. Those conversations that maybe is a little bit tough to start a lot of times can bring the greatest results. So I think that's really good advice there and something that a lot of people should look to do, um, you know, in, in hockey and whatever area of life that they're looking to progress in. So, Matt, again, I just want to thank you for joining me on the podcast and uh, doing the interview tonight. I think we learned a lot about your story and about the QMJHL process and your coaching philosophies as well. And hopefully things continue to go well for you. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Awesome, man. Yeah. And I just want to say you're doing a great job here too with the Hockey Minds podcast. Uh, definitely a big fan. It's 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 one that's in the rotation uh, while I'm spending those hours on the bus, that's for sure. So keep it up and best of luck to you too. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that. And hopefully I can continue to, to give you something to listen to and pass the time. So thanks again and all the best. Perfect. I'd like to once again thank Matt for coming on the podcast today and engaging in a conversation about opportunity and the life of an assistant coach. He made a lot of good points about utilizing connections and various skills in the hockey industry, which signals a trend for our listeners to pay close attention to moving forward. If you would like to get in touch with Matt to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Leland Mack, scout with the Prince George Cougars. Tasked with scouting in a unique Bantam draft, Leland has various experiences within the craft and should present a great interview for listeners. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the podcast and helping us grow the Hockey Minds brand in new levels. Be sure to share and subscribe on all platforms while also following us on YouTube where we hope to relay content very shortly. As always, stay safe and all the best.